0: We are going in the backyard because, you know, God calls me to play with them, and even when I don't want to, so I go out there, and he comes downstairs, he's like, Dad, we're going outside, I'm like, okay, we're going to go, and he comes in, and he's got a uniform on, and he has a football uniform on, now, you've got to understand something, this, the pants we've had since my oldest son was five, my oldest son is now 17, so, 12 years, these pants have endured three sons. So they're, they're pulled up to here. They're football pants, but they're real tight. You with me? They're super tight. That makes him look super fly, by the way. And so, and as a scrape here, and so he comes out. I wish I could tell you, he's got a jersey on. It's a Kickers jersey, which is interesting, but he's going to play, and he's got shoulder pads, and he's got a helmet. Now, the helmet. It's just like he put a Volkswagen on top of his head because his head. So, anyway, he, he he said, Dad, he comes up to me he says, Dad, your job is to take these bubbles and your job is to blow the bubbles. I said, What? He said, I've got to come out. So, I said, What do you mean? He says, He had his sister's um, speakers and boot box and he, and he took the phone and he put it in there in the speakers. And he has his walkout song. Now we're talking football. And he has his own walkout song. So he had he goes up there, and this, I'm not lying. I am not lying. He sets up the speakers and he and he cranks up the song and then he has me take this and you know blow bubbles. So my job is to stand there and blow bubbles. I'm good by the way. It's called reusing recycle. And so I'm blowing bubbles. As he walks out to his song, would you mind playing the song Why I Blow Bubbles? This is his walkout song. So that's his, and it was much louder than that. They're just being nice. So, Robbie, well, if y'all slip and fall, I'm not liable. You're on your own. Uh, so that's what he was called to do. And see, he comes out because it's all about image. It's all about bling. It's about that. It's for him. Whatever he sees, you got know, to understand something. These kids, they pray, pray. Whatever they see, they do it right now. And he has no concept of time. Saying. Oh, I'm gonna do it uh, when I'm 18. No, no, whatever he sees, he does right now. He does right now. And so if you've got one of these, which you should have, you will see in the middle that Rebecca Paula did, by the way, Jeremy, she's way better looking than you, yeah. and I'm uh, way smarter, and you know that. Um, God just wanted to show you his grace and mercy and give you a wonderful wife. Uh, Jeremy you know, and uncles, you're in the same boat, so don't want to sit in there and judge him, because you're in the same boat, too. Uh, so he says, your opportunity is now. So here's what the Lord laid on my heart. For the next couple weeks, we're going to look at the passages where Jesus says, now. Nah. Now, see, some of you are in school, you're like, when I get out of school, I'll just make money, and then I'll be some. No, if God, would, if God wasn't going to use you in four years, he didn't already take me on to heaven. God wants to use you now. Some of you that are older in this room, can I get a witness? Oh, come on, we ain't in no Presbyterian church, all right? Uh, you you can get a little loose because I know how you were with your disco ball. So don't, don't look like you wasn't all free and all that. I know about you, but your opportunity is now. You haven't served your time. If you had served your time, God would already called you home. It makes me sick when I hear some people. I'm older. Well, I did my time for the Lord. It's somebody else's time. No, if God was done with you, He'd say, "Come on home." Your opportunity is now. Your opportunity is now. There, we have something to do right now. now. And the Lord showed me that what happens when he comes on the scene, here's what, oh by the way, all the notes are online so you can get real spiritual. SummitCharlson.com, you can go to the Facebook page, and so on and summit church. What we think we should do next, and what Jesus thinks we should do next, is usually ninety-nine point nine 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 percent of the time different. Watch. I'll show you. Lord, bless this word, just like you blessed us for salvation, by your grace and your mercy. Open it up and make us will today, Lord, because we need you. Matthew chapter 3. You don't even have to turn far in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 3. Boom, shakalaka, and you're there. All right, so Matthew 3, verses 13. And following, This is the baptism of Jesus. I'm not going to talk about open heaven. You can go to Bethel. You can see all open heaven. I've already talked about open heaven. We have an open heaven. If you don't believe in open heaven, then we got problems. We'll start back later on and do it. But here, verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. I, I love John the Baptist because he's a lot like me in the sense that not that he's, that he's way more spiritual than me. I don't mean it that way. I just mean he's a lot like me because he starts to question, stuff, to question things. And I don't know about you, but I question a lot. I question a lot. Verse 13, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John because John is an outcast, right? Counts hair, got all his crazy clothes on, probably crazy red hair, looking kind of cray-cray. And people are like, who is this guy? And, and yet God's hand was upon him, the Holy Spirit's on him, and he's doing a mighty work for God. And Jesus shows up and says something. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him. Stop. But John tried to deter him. him. He said, no, this is it." John's saying no. That's why I can relate to John. Because when God, Jesus shows up in my library, sows something in my spirit, usually I'm like, no. I, I, I'm not sure about it. See, when Jesus shows up, we usually try to stop what he wants to do next. So I was thinking about that. That Lord, why do we think? What makes us think differently? I mean, John the Baptist is in the middle of doing God's work. You're in the middle of doing God's work. Jerry, you're a youth pastor. You're your wife here. God called you work. You're doing a great job on work. But when he shows up, usually you go, usually when you're in the middle of doing his work, Jesus shows up. And we go, I don't think we're supposed to do this. Jesus says, baptize me, John. John has the Holy Spirit. Go back and read the Bible. You'll see. And Luke has the Holy Spirit. And he's like, no. What makes us think that way? I'm going to give you two thoughts. You ready? Here you go. You're taking notes. Here we go. First thought. The first thought is our unworthiness. Come on now. Our unworthiness can trick us. Or trick our thinking and trusting Jesus to move right now. Our unworthiness. We think we are unworthy. And yes, everyone in this room, let me give you a news flash, you are unworthy. But I'm tired as a pastor of hearing people say, I just don't know enough about the Bible. Or John, I'm just, I got thin in my life. I'm just not right. Let me tell you something. If that was the case, I should never get up here and preach. I should never get up here and pastor. I should never be walking and be accountable for your soul. I should never do that. It's because Jesus said so, I do it. You're unworthiness. You're all unworthy. I'm unworthy. It's the righteousness of Jesus. We're not going to stand in front of Jesus or God and go, hey, God, I'm pretty worthy. Look at me. Woo-hoo! I can dance pretty good. You know, I need mean, my freestyle rap. pretty amazing. I sing a lot better than Bobby ever dreamed of singing. Look at me. That's a lot. And so what, what my point is, is that we're all unworthy. Just get over yourself. I mean, we, we, the problem is, you said, but John, unworthiness makes me seem less than. I would say this. If we always focus on unworthiness, then if, I think we're moving from selfless to selfish. Deterred. I want to give you what this word means. It's like it's a it's only it's only used one time in the Greek New Testament once, Jeremy Paul. One time, one, one. It's an interesting word. It, it, uh, one translation, New American Standard, which I love, uses the word prevent. Jesus was trying to prevent it. It's a it's a word that means this. Dia, clue. It means this. Dia means through in or in or out. It means this through, and it's the idea of Hindu. So when John the Baptist, what do you say was Jesus? I'm hindering you from moving through. I'm hindering you from moving in. I'm hindering you from moving into this place that you're supposed to be I am hindering you. He is preventing him. That's the word, preventing, and listen, I'm not running John the Baptist down. Now I look up to him, but here's a man of God, a great man of God that God wants us to learn from today. When Jesus tries to move now, our unworthiness always says, no. We try to prevent and deter Jesus because there's this wall of I can't because of you. I'm just not equipped or enabled or whatever you might think that is. I want you to know what the Lord showed me. John said this from a place of humility. I'm, I'm, I remember what the Lord showed me because I wrote this down. Not willful disobedience. He genuinely thought he was out of line. Look what it says there in the verse. He goes, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jimmy Nuffins, God's telling you to play a church? God's telling you to take that major when you know that you have hardly any motivation. Listen, if God's called you to biochem, and God called you to it, your flesh hates biochem. But the closer you get to Jesus, the more you will do biochem. The, the more you walk away from Jesus, the less you will fulfill what God has called you to. See, we're the total opposite in the flesh what we are in the spirit. Can I get a witness on that? If God gave you to give the gift of mercy, when you're in the flesh, you are the most unmerciful person in the world. All you people that are in here, nurses that are going to be called in nursing, you have the spiritual gift of mercy. But when you are walking away from God, you are the your favorite word is get over it. I'm sorry your bone is sticking out. Sorry, I'm hungry and walk out. I mean, we're the total opposite in the flesh what we are in the spirit. So it's not that he was going from the selfish place. He just felt genuinely un- unworthy. But I love what David said on Thursday night. I mean, Wednesday night, which reminds me, always, always, you know, we're talking about Isaiah, and Isaiah saw the Lord and, and, and the glory filled the temple. And, you know, worship has always existed. Worship doesn't just happen because we show up. It's always taking place, which gives us great comfort for those of us who have, have no believers that have God they be going to be with Jesus. They're alive in Christ because Christ is alive and he wasn't resurrected. There is no resurrection and he's alive. And so they're worshiping God. Worship happens. We're just right now doing that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're just joining in what's going to happen. So don't think all of a sudden God is worshiped because we show up. So, but what I noticed this, so I'm asking God, so what, what do I do? What do I do? How do I, how do I change my unworthiness? Because I'm always thinking I'm unworthy. I don't know about you. Whenever God asks you to do something, you always feel unworthy. It's the arrogant people, I got this. Those are people you are, well, you getting ready to fall, right? Pride for the fall. Because they have no idea. It's just like people I can sing, and their pride says they can sing, and you and I both know they sound like a barking dog dying. <laughs> I mean, they are awful guy called me, you No, know, God doesn't write music like that, sin. <laughs> oh. You know, so they crack him for the fall. And so what happens is, so how do I do it? How do I get past it? This is what the Lord showed me. This is what the Lord showed me, Jerry Pollock, so you can get your mind right with the Lord today. Glory, hallelujah. Yeah, see, they ain't in you because they know you. And so what I'm saying, listen, here's what we need. This is what the Lord showed me. Walking with Jesus, he says, I'm trying to deter you, preventing you. I'm forgiving you, Jesus. I do not need to baptize you. You should be baptizing me. What are you doing, Jesus? No, no, no. You're putting me in this place of authority. But you're the authority. I shouldn't do this. All this other stuff. Here's what walking with Jesus is like. Keep your finger there. It's going to go up on the screen. You can write it down in your Bible on your notes on your phone. Or on your iPad or memorize it. Luke nine sixty two. Jesus replied. No one who puts his hand to the what saints? Plow. And what? I didn't hear you. It's good for the kingdom of God. Walking with Jesus is like putting our hands to the plow. And the Holy Spirit, as soon as the Holy Spirit wrote the scripture to my mind, he said, John. I said, Yes, sir. He said, John. The one thing the Holy Spirit showed me about a plow is this. A plow is pulled, not pushed. Now you didn't hear it because that was really good from, from the Lord. Now, I'm going to go to my amen corner over here. A plow is pulled, not pushed. You don't take a, a plow and you push it. You're not here saying, God, come on, let's get going, let's get going, God. Come on, show up, God, make this thing happen. No, we put our hands to the plow and the Spirit of God says, come on, follow me. And all of a sudden, we put our hands to the plow, and, and wherever God leads, he is tilling the ground before us that our feet set on, and we plant, and we water, and God does what? Somebody's shouting, today, and the Lord has given the increase. We are pulled, not pushed. What does that look like? So I'm going to explain it in only the way John Davis can explain it, because I'm so simple, and y'all are so smart, I can't understand all this The Spirit leads me more than I lead me. Because of this, we have access to the Holy Spirit's power. Here's what it looks like the power of the Spirit manifests when the Spirit's power connects us with the movement of the Spirit's power outside us. Here's what I mean I've got my hands to the plow. The Spirit of God is over here in a place, and He's working. He's working. And so you put your hands to the plow. God says, go get this degree. Or God says, don't take this job. i am called you into these circumstances. Or you're struggling with missions. Because we're all missionaries. It's just a location when I say missions. And so all of a sudden you put your hands up. the The Spirit of God is all working. Remember, we're pulled, not pushed. So all the Spirit of God is working. He's already working in the hearts of people over here. And you have no idea. You have no idea where God's got you. You just put your hands to the plow and you don't look back. I can't go back. I'm glad for my experiences sometimes. I'm glad for my home sometimes. I'm glad for but God God's called me to this plow. And sometimes I really want to go back. But the pull of the spirit, the more I spend time with God, I can't go back because he's pulling me closer to Jesus than he is my dad. So the Spirit of God is moving there, and he's moving in me and He's pulling me. And when I get to the place that He has plowed, then the Spirit's power shows up, and God begins to redeem people in a mighty way and save them from the very pit of hell because you opened your mouth and loved those who weren't loved. That's what I mean. Father God of the mouth. Right now, that's the first thought. The first thought is, our unworthiness can trick us from moving and following Jesus now. Everybody got it? What's our first thought? Our what? Our what? Yes, our unworthiness. I don't want to hear any more from anybody in this room. I'm making a blanket statement. I don't want to hear, I don't know enough Bible. I didn't know enough Bible in the past, but I want to tell you something. When I put to my hands to the file, I couldn't say no to the Spirit, because it's not about how much I know, it's about how much He knows. And it's not about how much I can trust myself, it's how much I can trust Him. So just go ahead and get over yourself. If God's called you something, get out of yourself, put your hands to the plow, and let the Spirit of God pull you. Oh, John, I just don't feel pulled. The reason why is because your biggest life pulling you away from Him. And you know I'm telling the truth to shape the devil. And you're in a job situation that God didn't call you to, but the finances were very good. But see, here's what happened. You believe the boss owns the cattle on a thousand hills instead of Jesus. And you believe that, that, you believe that getting this, and so you dedicate your body to some sport, you dedicate your body to something more than Jesus. But see, when Jesus calls you to that plow of that sport, then you're willing not only to dedicate your body, you're willing not only to dedicate your mind, you're willing to lay down your life, because no greater love exists than a man lay down his life right now. now. Somebody not hear me today. I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, we'll get it. All right, so here's the second thought. You ready? This is good. I, you feel like the Lord spoke to me or not? Okay, all right, here we go. Second thought is, we don't know what Jesus will do next. First thought is, I'm mean, one of them tricks us. Second thought is, we do not know what Jesus will do next. Look there in the passage in Matthew chapter uh, 3, verse uh, 14. But John tried to deter him. We already talked about prevent, what that means. tries to stop him from moving, peering in and through and in a place. Saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Unworthiness language, unworthiness language, unworthiness language. And Jesus is like, I'm not worried about your unworthiness. I'm solving that at the cross. I'm worried about your obedience. Amen. Sure. Verse 15. But Jesus, let it be so what? Yeah. Let it be so what? Yeah. Let it be so what? Yeah. Be so, what? Yeah. Your opportunity is now. <sighs> right now. Well, John, I don't have a degree, or John, I need to give myself right or John, I just need a new job, or or John, you know, if I wasn't in this bad relationship, or, or John, your opportunity is now. Quit waiting for God to fix it when God is fixing you. See, we we don't know. Let's just be honest. We don't know what God does next. We're not prophets. are not fortune tellers. They're just they're, There's people that hear from the Holy Spirit where the Holy Spirit is plowing and they follow. And yes, so it is futuristic. Yes, God says, if you don't get right, this will happen. Or God says, hey, we want to bless you and encourage you if you go this way. Because the Spirit of God is saying, this is what's happening in the future. So yes, they do know future things. Prophets do know future things. But if they're not fortune-tellers. They only say what the Spirit says. Isaiah 55. Y'all remember this passage? Very popular. If you've grown profound, Scripture. Isaiah 55 says, Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call on Him. I love this. While He is near. See, there'll be a day when he's not near, because when when God begins to bring judgment and revelation, he won't be here, the church will be pulled out, and then all of a sudden, literally, the Antichrist will be reigning. God will not be near, but then when he comes back and he is near, then there'll be judgment, and there'll be literal hell to pay. Let the wicked forsake, and this is how you this is how uh, this is how you call on him. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord. I love this part. And he will have mercy on him and to our God. For he will freely pardon. God is longing to give us mercy. The reason why people don't come to God is because they're afraid of judgment. God says, I'm not going to judge you. I'm going to give you mercy. I'm going to freely pardon you. I want to set you free. It's better for your life to be walking with me than you walk the way you walk. Oh, but John, I've got all life. I know that there's no God. I know that there's no God. What intellectual dishonesty. If you knew everything about everything, then you can say that. But if you don't know everything about everything, then you can't say there's no God. You can just say, I don't know. Verse eight: for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither your ways, my ways, declares the Lord. And then he says, here's the gap. For as high as the heavens, or as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and, and my thoughts in your thoughts. There's a huge gap, and the only one who can cover that gap is the Spirit of God. There's a gap between my thoughts and the gap between God's thoughts. But 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, 2.16 says, we have the mind of Christ because of the prophecy of Jesus when he said in John 16 that the Holy Spirit will remind us of everything that he's saying. The Holy Spirit will become the very mind of Christ for us. Holy Spirit will tell you and I. The Holy Spirit will fill in the gap. So the truth is, the second thought is, the reason why we don't act now, the reason why we don't do those things now, the reason why we can't really think like God now is because we don't know. We have to depend on the Spirit. And it's okay to say, I don't know. But I, but a don't know doesn't mean you don't go. A don't know means I just don't know what's going to happen. Because God has already said, Go made disciples of all of man. There's a gap. But he feels it. So here's the mega question. Are you ready? Robbie, I need you to come play for me, man. I need some, I need some, just prophetic music. Here's the gap. The gap is this. Here's the big question. Here's the million dollar question. Y'all ready? Million dollar question. Here, here it is. What if I don't have a clear word? What if, what if I don't know what to do next? What about, I just, I don't know what to do. Here's what's amazing, amazing about Jesus that God is going to tell you today. God is going to tell you today. And I'm going to explain Here's what I'm going to say. What have you been going to do? Here's how what you do. When you don't know what to do, when I don't know what to do as a pastor, what do I do next? I've got this whole campus I'm responsible for, spiritually. I, I, and it's just Betsy and I, and Michelle. Here we go, here we go. Here we go. Three people for $3,500. let us see, that adds up mathematically. And so, uh, okay, God, we got to sort of church. All these people are wonderful. Men and women have got it. Children have got it. Children over there right now learning and growing in the Lord, and just, ah, oh, I love it. And, and, and God, what do you want us to do? When I don't know what to do, I do the last thing God told me. Because here's what he promised. If I'm faithful of a little, I'll be faithful what? If I got five talents, he's going to give me ten. If I'm faithful, if I got two, he's going to give me four. The problem is, I want ten without being faithful to the five. You know, we all want, well, I want all this stuff. I want all this. Listen, it's ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen without it. Here's what I want to show you. All right, this is really interesting. So, what do you do when you don't have a clear word? Today this is what I want you to choose to do. We're going to live for the glory. Yes, we're just going to live for His glory. What do you mean? Get ready to unpack it. There will be, I love what Stephen's verse said, there will be a lot of ups and downs from where God is taking you from to where God is taking you to. Let me give you an example. Genesis 12. God told Abram, what did he tell him? Come on, look at me for my scholars down here in the front. My two Jeremy's. What did he tell Abram? Go to the land I will What? That's right. Show you. Wouldn't it be nice if God just showed you up front? It ain't gonna happen. Forget my English. Never happen. Why? Faith. So God says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you the land want you to go. Okay, God, I'm going. Right? <laughs> right so, um, so I'm going. I'm going with the Lord. I don't know where he's gonna lead me. I have no idea. I just discovered, okay? I'm so good. You know I me. Mean? And so I'm going, but here's what happened. Look at verse 10, Genesis 12, 10. Shoot, it's going to be up there. I'm hoping, maybe so. Yeah. There was a what, saints? What? So God showed you to a place of weakness. Nice way to put it. God, you put me where? I thought I was going to be living to the beach at the big house or on the slopes, or millions of dollars and God took Abram to a place of famine. Did anybody read that today? God took you to a place that's beneath you. He's left the land of Ur. The Chaldeans a very successful. His name, Abram, right? Exalted father. I mean, he's, he's this guy. He's this guy that's already exalted in his name. His name meant something in his land. And now he's into a place where he's a nobody and there's a famine. And people have messed you up and done you wrong and been in jobs and been in grades and been in college and left home to come to school. And you're in a place of what seems like famine. We go through famine. So we you can know that there's a God over the family. And there's a God who's in control. Of the bad and not just the good. There is always a place of ups and downs where God is faithful to He said, "I love that." But the word, but here's what happens. This is this is where it gets really good. uh, But the word, I want to give you this word. uh, I want to give you this word. uh, Can you put up? Well, let let me just go to the word, there's a word for God's glory in the the Old Testament. It's the word kabod. Say kabo. I didn't say kabo. Kabo. Some place one version of the word is used 376 times. But the word for glory, and I want you to write this down. Some of you already this. The word for the glory means weight. W-E-I-G-H-T. Say weight. W-E-I-G-H-T. So it means weight. It, it carries this idea of abundance, uh, honor, glory. It's from the root word to be heavy, to be weighty. But when you begin to live for God's glory, because you're living and believing that Jesus is going to do something now. When you begin to just say, God, I don't know what's going on and I don't know what's going on around me, but I'm going to live for your glory. I'm going to look for your glory because Jesus, you are the glory of God. You're the image of the invisible God. You are that glory. And I'm going to live for that. And here's what happens. Then all of a sudden, hope begins to well within you. Let me, and I've told y'all this, I want to reiterate it. Hope is the idea and vision that God gives you. Faith is walking out what hope, what you see in hope. Faith is not what you see. Faith is the evidence of things unseen. It's the walking out of the hope. The hope is the picture. The faith is the action. See, when we encounter when Jesus shows up, and ask us to do something now. The first response is we are weak. I don't know. Remember our second thought? We don't know his thoughts. Remember the first thought? We're unworthy. We, we, our response is we're weak. What about Job? When God showed up to Job, God, uh, uh, Job was like, uh, I'm just going to shut my mouth. What about Philippians 2? When, when God shows up, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. What about Isaiah 6? God shows up and he says, man, I am going to explode, ruin. It means in Hebrew to become violently undone. How about John the Baptist here in 314? No, I can't baptize you. I'm in a place of weakness, Jesus. I'm not weak around these Pharisees, these religious elite that think they know everything and they're, just, they're they've got you all wrong. And all of a sudden, hope begins to come in. When you're in a place where God shows up now, because you're going to need him now, because what he's asking you to do, you can't do. That's why he's God. He's going to put you in a place of such weakness that if he doesn't show up, it will not happen. And then all of a sudden, this is what it means. Romans chapter 4, verse 18, this is going to go up here. You get to see this picture of Romans 4, 18, when Abram uh, goes through. Against, I love this passage, because when when, when Abraham, he begins to see really what God's going to do, Uh, Romans 4 verse 18 says this, and I love it. Against all hope. Against all hope. Remember, Abraham had a promise he was going to have a son. It took a quarter of a century for it to come to happen. A quarter, 25 years, family. 25 years for what God said and what God did Gap yeah. But see here's what he knew He kept longing and living for the glory of God So when you don't have a word and you don't know here's what you do You live for his glory His glory needs weight W-E-I-G-S-T Against all hope Abraham in hope believed And so became the father of many nations That's why his word became Abraham See, hope, hello for hope is always strengthened by resistance. Now, you don't get stronger without resistance, right? You don't get faster without training fast and being explosive. You don't get better at wrestling like that because, without resistance. Yeah, hope does not get stronger without something. I was asking Jerry to build one, but it's just too difficult. I want to show this picture. I've got a picture uh, of a seesaw. And you see, you see us on that side and you see the world on this side. Now, what I mean by that is life is kind of like a seesaw. You got God telling us one thing, but we're over here on the other side. And I, I wish I could demonstrate it. Stephen Curry, he had a great, it was a great illustration. I mean, it was really, it was phenomenal. So if I had a seesaw, I could actually get people to come up, and I would say, okay, this person represents the facts. The facts are, you're making a D or C, and God's asking you to be in this degree program. The fact is, you don't have enough money, but God is calling you. The fact is, God's saying yes. We're all missionaries wherever we live, but I'm asking you to go here, remember your hands to the plow, he's pulling you, and then all of a sudden you go, I don't have money. The facts, facts weigh you down. Uh, You know, business world is wrong. I'm sorry. You're in the NBA program, sorry. The facts don't always tell it all. I just, I just had a friend on Facebook. He was supposed to die. He has uh, cancer, his pain. He was supposed to die last year. He's supposed to die in 2013. Well, the last I checked is the end of August 2014. And he's not dead. Uh, Facts do not tell the whole story. And if you believe the facts tell the whole story, then you're going to be jacked up. Don't, don't trust all, the facts don't tell everything. Because the facts tell everything. Then the facts say, I shouldn't be pastored because my sins, keep me from it. The facts say that you and I shouldn't be doing things because this is what happened in our lives. You see, facts don't tell the whole story. The facts don't tell what God can do. The facts just say what has happened. Facts don't predict the future. If that's the case, Apple would have been done. See, you got to understand something. Facts weigh down. Here's another thing that weighs us down as part of the world. Failures. Right? Failures wear, wear you down. Failures say, you know, you tried it, it didn't work, right? Failures say, you, you went out for that and it, you didn't make it, you got cut. Or you, you, you tried this and just if failures end up becoming facts, they tip the seesaw. They, they weigh us down. They weigh us down. Failure weighs us down. But I think here's the most dangerous one. Fear. Or emotions emotions you don't can weigh you down, can't they? The fact is, you, the fact is that you can do it. How many times as a coach, I, I, I just wish that the coaches in this room could give me a witness that the physical ability they've seen people, that something up here stops them from doing what they're physically capable of doing. And so, fear is this great Waves us down because it reminds us look at you, you're not pretty enough, you're not good enough, you've been single, you've been single so long that your 12 year old niece is engaged. You see, you can't live by facts, and you can't live by failed relationships and jobs and whatever else, or failed classes, or you can't live by that in Jesus. stuck in the 10th grade. For all y'all know that I failed 10th grade today. Fear just makes seesaw go this way. And so most Christians love the idea of Jesus, but not the application of Jesus. And so we don't believe in the Jesus of now. We just believe in the Jesus of heaven. And when we get to heaven, everything's going to be all right, right? Everything's going to be all right. And then you no, know, God's called you and I to go make everything alright for somebody else. Even when we're not alright. See, it doesn't matter that we're jacked up. It's just as long as God can create and heal the, the jacked-up people, God can do something. God can take a bunch of mess and make it a beautiful mess. And restore it. See, but see, we live in the land with a seesaw. So really the, the if you if really had a great thing here, I'd have you sitting on a seesaw when this end is up. But see, then all of a sudden something happens. All of a sudden, something happens against all hope, against all hope. I love what he says, Abraham in hope believed. Why? Because he focused on the glory of God. What does the word glory mean? Talk to me, saints. What? So all of a sudden, facts and fears and failures. All of a sudden what happens in that that weighs us down, all of a sudden God begins to show up and we begin to focus on Jesus and begin believing the promises of God in Jesus because he's the image and he's the answer and he's the amen of every promise. And all of a sudden the seesaw, how about I go to the next slide, the seesaw begins to switch. All of a sudden Jesus stands on one side and fears and facts and failures go away because Jesus tips the scale. See that. That's the difference, because when we focus on glory. His glory outweighs anything that weighs me down. Somebody, y'all, my me today. Come on, that's good stuff. So I, so I'm sticking you so in still straight. I, I remember. Then the Lord began to support someone. In other words, the Lord, he, he, he said this: give way to what God said, not what you see. See, Glory is weight. It releases and freezes. from the Holy Spirit. That's why, when the Spirit of the Lord is there's liberty. Uh, listen. That's why. That's why we're weighed down in our sin. And I, the fact is, we're all sinners. The fact is, we're all failed. The fact is, we're all fearful. Romans three twenty three says this: For all have what, and fall short of the what, because that glory is a massive weight. It is a massive weight that we cannot attain. And so we've all fallen short of that weight. Come on, this is really good, somebody. But then the Lord showed me. But because Jesus, we can enter into the presence of the Lord. He is the glory of God. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Lisa put it out there. It's this powerful passage. God made him, him had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In other words, we can enter into the presence of God. The righteousness of God is us because Jesus cared for his righteousness. Upon us. See, Jesus is the image of God. He's the glory of God. He's the weight of God. So when He comes into our life and we're weighed down and our lives are beat down, and He gets on the other side of the seesaw, and boom, our fears will go away. They don't carry as much weight. Our failures don't rule our lives. The facts say, don't don't hold us down and say that we can't. We start believing that I can do all things. Then it made sense, as we begin to meditate on this. Then it made sense. This is why Jesus' words have such power in our lives. Because he's glory. He's weight. And His weight to the rules over my weaknesses. It's like a seesaw. It tends to scale in Jesus' failure. In the beginning was the... And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So that's why all God has to do is speak the Word. Because the Word carries weight. Now, you, know, you connect to God. The Word carries weight, so when He gives you a Word, He gives you a Word today, He gives you a Word, it carries more weight, and you start saying what Jesus can do, not what I can't do. I know I might be able to stumble, I know that I might be able to, uh, not be able to communicate well, I know things in my life might not be right, but because of Jesus, I can do it because He's calling me, and His call is a greater weight than what I see in the failures of my life. That's what's happening you to work from God, and so that's why He's the God of the now. Second Corinthians like four six, and you put this something. I love this in the ESP, I, I love this. about it in just fine. For God, who said, "Let light shine out of darkness," made His light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. And who? And who? The glory of God is in the face of Jesus. Every time Jesus speaks, there's way that outweighs our inadequacies and our circumstances and our failures. This is a good thing to teach them, guys. Can you imagine this for your illustration? I like think you got what you're going to do next week. You know, and you get all this. This is so good. So he gives weight. Jesus' words have weight in our lives. That is why. And then the Lord began to show me all this. This is not something I got from somebody else. The Lord showed me all I got the illustration from Stephen. But the, the Lord showed me all this important enemy. And then all of a sudden, this is why the angels and creatures Bow down when God speaks. Look at Revelation uh, 7, 9 through 12. Look at it up here. It's so good. Like the Lord was just pouring stuff. I couldn't, even, I couldn't even keep up. The Holy Spirit was giving me so fast. It was like a fire hydrant in my mouth. Someone can get a visual. After this, I looked and there before me was a great multitude I love this. This is what's going on. All your, all your family members that have died in Jesus, come on somebody. Come on, they're alive. They're alive. I know you might not feel it, but the Bible says so. And he cares more weight than my feelings. Yes. That no one can count from every nation, tribe, people, and language. There are no colors. I tell my kids all the time, I don't care who you marry. Marry somebody black. Marry somebody Chinese, marry somebody. I don't, care. Marcia, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care for the middle of them, Jesus. I'm going to kick them out. <laughs> there, there. There's the door. That's what I'm saying. I don't care. I mean, I told y'all, the original color is brown, by the way. I tried to talk to that like another year ago. you look it up. And that's not me, that's to, to geneticists, because they came out with twins all over the world. One was white, and one was black. They had two African parents. And then they had two white parents, one was black, and one was white. They were freaking out, how's there two colors? And they found that the DNA, the DNA code of everybody is brown. And then all of a sudden, then what happens? It depends on the release. Report. What color does it, does it give enough brown color that you get white? No one could count from every nation tribe people on language standing before the throne and in front of the lamb they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches Woo! Symbols of the victory in their hands go to verse 10 this is so good this is this is i think good next verse maybe okay yeah and they cried out in a loud voice salvation belongs to our god who sits on the throne and to the lamb so there's jesus the, the face of the glory of God. He's the face of the glory of God. Next verse, verse 11. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God. Why? Because the very word of God, the very glory of God brings weight for you. you can't stand up in the presence. The only thing you can do is fall face down Say, God, I'm unworthy, but you're worthy. I'm going to do what you said. Because you you carry more weight than what anybody else thinks in my life. Stop listening to the people in your life that don't know Jesus. Yes, yes. You say, just honor my mother and father. Yep. You only honor those who honor the Lord. Yes. Now, you love them. You treat them with respect. You give them a the shirt off your back. You do everything. But if they tell you, don't, don't do this. and God has told you to do it, then you respectfully Disagree. Because God's word carries weight. Because his victory is great. Stop giving weight to the facts. And start giving weight to Jesus. When you don't know what to do, live for the glory of God. Live for the face of Jesus Christ who will set you free. Verse 12, this is so good. Saying, amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God ever, ever. God's going to speak.
1: Use it here, you need
0: to hear, here's how God's going to speak. Why are you coming? Here's how God's going to speak. Here's how He's going to speak. You read it? He's either going to whisper in your ear. Isaiah 30, 21, she's going to put that up here. y'all stop praying, Isaiah 3021, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way walking it. He's either going to go this route, or if you get nothing right now in your spirit, if you get nothing right now in your spirit, God will speak through circumstances. Reveal Himself, His purposes, and His ways. Thank you, Heavenly to me. That when you walk out of here because you laid everything down, you said, "God, speak to me, speak to me." You carry more weight when you say, "God, I don't know what the situation." You walk out of here and the relationship falls apart. God is saying, "Get out." It's making it very clear. What about that job situation? Should I get that job or not, God? And all of a sudden the door closes. God is saying, "No." John, that's that's just mere fatalism. No, 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 no. Fatalism means it's going to happen and I can't do anything to change it. But the sovereignty of God means that God is in control of everything and He can do anything to change anything. That God will speak to everyone in this room. Stop giving weight to the facts and your fears and your failures. Just stop giving weight. I don't care what you look like. I don't care if you're not academically smart enough. I don't care if you've got $300 million in the bank, I do not care. Listen to the Lord. And when you don't know what to do, the glory of God, Jesus, the face of the glory of God, we just showed you in Scripture, will tell you what to do. Live hard for His glory, and His glory will begin to outweigh everything and anything that's not of God that speaks. Life, and you'll begin to follow and hear him clearly. The problem is not that you have too many voices. The problem is that we give too much weight to the wrong voices. Was this is pretty good? It's all you need. Let's give them a prayer. Father, this is our prayer to you today. We want to give you all the glory and the honor and praise. We want you to be honored. We want people to see Jesus. We want you to be glorified. So, Lord, my prayer today is this Would you speak in the name of Jesus? Would you speak to everyone here that's bowed in your presence that needs a clear word? God, do you want me to go hear this song? God, is this, is this where you're asking me to go? Just a clear word. God. The you might not say something into them they might not hear the whisper into their spirit right now, but you will speak in the circumstances, but because they bow to you now, we now know that you are Lord of those circumstances and we will listen and respond with yes and amen so God I don't come with wise and persuasive words, I'm asking you based on scripture, to come with a demonstration of the spirit and the power, Lord please in the name of Jesus, I ask you to speak you said and I quote call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and mighty things you do not know if you seek me you will find me if you search me with all your heart Lord you said in Hebrews chapter 4 that we can boldly come to the throne we can boldly come and receive grace and mercy to help us in our time of need. this is a time of need. I believe you're going to answer not because I'm prayed up or not because my sins are not much but because of the righteousness of because he is glorified and he is magnified. And for anyone in this room that does not believe in Jesus, let them see the power of God today. I don't have to defend God, I just have to be obedient. Lord, have you milled away. Tend the scale in your favor. That your glory, your name and renown for the desire of our hearts, that your glory, Jesus, would be seen in facts and fears failures will be washed away because we can trust you. You are good. For those that don't know you, I pray that the hearts that call right now and say, there's no way I can stand in front of a righteous God. I I, am not not sinless. I am sinful. And only Jesus can save me." Lord, I pray they'll call you and then they'll tell us